grace and peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Let's turn and greet one another. welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, especially those of you visiting with us today. We are just delighted that you're here with us. And there is a friendship pad on each row. I would love to have you fill it out and uh, it should be near the center aisle. Fill it out and pass it along so other people can do that too. You can find the announcements of church inside of our connections, which you'll find in your bulletin. Some of our men are on men's retreat this weekend. They'll be coming home about noon today. This week, you'll notice that our Club 325, if you have a child in that, it is canceled on Monday because school is a minimum day. Um, also, our Healthy Lifestyles group that meets on Wednesday mornings at 8.30, would love to have you join them, and they are moving locations. If you're part of that, you need to notice they're moving to the music room, which is hidden back behind there, but you can find it if you come off the Rose Garden. It is pretty easy to find. Our third Friday group invites you to join them this coming Friday for an October fest. You do need to sign up on the patio today because we're going to buy the groceries tomorrow. So we need to know how many people are coming. Um, it will be a great evening. It's an off-campus fun evening. And next Sunday morning, we have a pancake breakfast. Everybody is invited to be part of that. You can just pay at the door. Lovely morning of pancakes and yogurt and sausage and all sorts of wonderful things. You can see inside the announcements that our children are beginning to sign up to be part of our Christmas children's musical. They don't have to go to this church. They can be children from any child you know, can be a part of this, uh, information about how to sign up for that. Two weeks from today, we're having Megan Stewart, who is a senior vice president at Merrill Lynch, come and talk about building wealth for yourself and to be able to be generous with it and give it away. And also there is a, our grief at the holidays group will be at the very beginning of November. If you've lost someone that you love, the holidays can be difficult. And this is a, a one-time meeting that will talk about how to cope with that and give you some ideas about how to do that. And we are still signing up for a group that is going to go to Scotland in May. If you have interest in that, please hurry up and sign up. Our deadline is right coming very soon. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Let's pray. Faithful God, we, your people, are strange conundrums of faithfulness and fickleness. We cleave to you in all the ways that we're able. We count on you and intend our lives to be lived for you. And then we find ourselves always seeking elsewhere and otherwise. So we give thanks that you are the God who yearns and waits for us and that our connection to you is always from your side, that it is because of your goodness that neither life nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in creation can separate us from you. We give you thanks for your faithfulness, 
so much more durable than ours. This morning, as we come to worship you, may we walk towards you with our whole lives, with audacity and adoration. Amen. Will you join me in the responsive call to worship that you'll find on the front of your bulletin? Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be revered above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. So let us stand and praise God together.
together. Let the instruments play the verse. God is gracious to forgive us and restore us to wholeness. Trusting in God's faithfulness and compassion, we confess the wrong that we have done. Let us pray. Lord, we are a people quick to grow disinterested in anything that does not serve our own needs. We abuse your good gifts of imagination and freedom and they become the means by which we wound one another and your creation. We confess that we often feel inadequate to your call, and so we disengage ourselves from problems we see around us, fearful that they will overwhelm us and we will fail. Lord, have mercy upon us. Heal and forgive us. Set us free from our doubts and anxieties. Help us to be faithful and to trust that you are faithful, as faithful as you reveal yourself to be. And so we bring to you the silent confessions of our hearts. For we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. My friends, God challenges us. God encourages us. God confronts us and God accepts us. God works wonders in our midst. God forgives. God guides us through the wilderness of the world. God redeems us by the mercies of Christ in the joy of the Holy Spirit. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Amen.
God calls Moses, God does invite Moses and Joshua and all the other prophets in the Old Testament to be strong. It is to be strong for a reason, and the reason is to go intervene for other human beings that are struggling. Be strong for other people. The overarching theme that we have given to this sermon series in Exodus is journey to wholeness. That is to call attention away from the geographical journey from Egypt to the Promised Land, which is about a 20 days journey. It takes them 40 years, so there's a discrepancy there. You ever feel like you had a plan that was going to take 20 days and God gave you a roundabout way that took you 40 years? I think we've all felt that way at times. And the 
reason is because the geography is not the important thing. Getting your plan done is not the important thing. It's how God changes you on the way and how God changes the people around you on the way. So God specializes in bringing inner transformation and inner shalom, inner maturity, inner wholeness, while we're going through the messy stuff of life. And Moses sure surely as a leader, is being transformed whether he wants to be changed or not. And we find in this text that maybe there's an undercurrent issue in Moses' life where he simply doesn't want to change. He's pretty happy with who he is. And so this is a confrontation for those of us who are pretty happy with the way we are and the way things are in our lives. And so we get into the undercurrent reason why God gets angry. The text is out of Exodus chapter 4, beginning with verse 10. This is the fifth statement, or this is the fourth statement of resistance that leads uh, finally into a statement that clarifies why Moses is really resisting God. But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor even now that you have spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. My mouth gets real heavy. That's the literal interpretation when I try to talk. Then the Lord said to him, Who gives speech to the mortals? Who makes them mute or deaf, seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to speak. O Lord, may you be with our mouths. Amen? But Moses said, O my Lord, please send someone else. My favorite verse in all of Exodus. Because I think we can register with that. When God asks to do something that really is something we'd rather not do, there is this undercurrent, Lord, please send somebody else. That doesn't have my name on it. Then we find the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And God said, What of your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he can speak fluently. Even now he's coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, his heart will be glad. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what you should do. He indeed shall speak for you to the people. He shall serve as a mouth for you, and you shall serve as God for him. Take in your hand the staff with which you shall perform the signs In other words, God completely disregards Moses' statement. You notice God goes back to the previous but. Moses, I didn't hear you. May the word of the Lord be hearable for us today. Amen? Moses has four reservations. I'm not sure who I am. 
I'm not sure what your name is, God. What if the people don't believe me or trust me if I talk to them? And what if I can't talk well enough when it comes to the big moments? And finally, we get to the heart of Moses' resistance. Lord, frankly, I just assume you send somebody else. You see, the other four issues are minor issues, and God answers those. But God doesn't bother to answer the fifth one. There's no conversation about sending someone else. God's, that's not, that's not up for negotiation. When God calls you to do something and you are negotiating the terms of the call with God and you say, oh, by the way, I really don't want to go, God doesn't hear that. What God hears is, you've just gone too far. And I'm angry. You see, there is a point where we can push God to the point of anger. And this sermon is about what is that point that pushes God to the point of anger. And it's basically when Moses says, no, I don't want to go. There are moments where we say no. We don't want to do that. We don't want to go. And we need to know that we stir in the very nature of God anger. In fact, it says the anger was kindling. It was burning and it was enraging like a fire. We in Southern California know what enraged fires are like. The wind blows and the fire spews up and spirals up. And that's the image of the anger of God here. God's on fire. So what is it about Moses' resistance that puts God on fire? God's growling, furious, enraged. The literal translation is his nostrils are flaring. You know when somebody's angry when they got into heavy breathing and their nostrils get big and stretch and reduce very quickly. You don't want to do that to people. Why is God so angry? Some people will say, well, it's because Moses offers too many excuses. Moses is not obedient. Moses is not doing what he's told. I know, I don't think it's any of those things. I think it could be a little bit of each one of those, but the big issue is, bottom line, Moses doesn't want to go. Moses doesn't want to do what God has called him to do. That has all sorts of ramifications for our continued future sense. If we are running away from God and refusing to do what God's called us to do, we are living in the wrath of God. The Bible talks about the wrath of God. By the way, the wrath of God isn't reserved for those outsiders out there. That's kind of what we do with the wrath of God. God's going to get all those sinners out there. No, that's not where the wrath of God spins. The wrath of God spins when carefully chosen people begin to be obnoxiously resistant. That's us. That's Presbyterians. Carefully chosen. Moses is no longer on the journey to wholeness. You notice where Moses is? 
The geography is important as a symbol here. Moses is on the backside of the desert, walking away as far away from civilization as he can get. Do you ever feel like you're walking away or running away from civilization to get as far away as possible? Maybe we need to stop here and ask why we moved to Laguna. You know, it is surrounded by mountains. It's not easy for those other people to get here and for us to get out. Maybe some of us are here because it's an escape from responsibility. I don't know. I'm not here to cast dispersions because I'm here among you. (laughs) But Moses is on the backside of the wilderness. Moses has gone as far as he can go to get away. And here's the fascinating thing. You can't outrun God. You can't escape from the presence. On that mountain called Horeb, which means wasteland, out there in the middle of nowhere, there's nothing there. It's a mountain that's basically rocks and dirt. And there's a bush. And God meets Moses in the bush, out in the wasteland, out on the backside of the desert. Moses is going away as far away as he can. He is very clearly moving away from what God is calling him to do. Where did he come from? How, what, what initiated him to go out there in the first place? One day he saw one of his brothers, a Hebrew slave, an, an Israelite, being beaten by an Egyptian slave driver. And it triggered something in his soul. And he said, this isn't right. This isn't just. And he kills the slave driver. And he has to run off to Egypt. I mean, he has to run off to the wilderness. Now, it's one thing to be in retreat. We all like to go on retreat. We all need a retreat. Kathy's about ready to go on retreat. But retreat is not running away. Retreat is not the process of becoming a recluse where we can hide from God. Some of us have decided retreat needs to go as far away as possible. I grew up in a family where my dad wanted to get away from Los Angeles as far as possible and still have a business he could run. And so we spent a lot of time looking for a place out in the wilderness, away from people. So I grew up with that perspective. My dad's a good Christian man, but he wanted to get away from civilization as far as possible. I've always asked myself the question, why? I think it did some damage to our family. I don't think he ever dealt with the inner motivation of wanting out. Now there's a lot of ways in which we want out. Moses wanted out when he realized that maybe his anger got control of him and he didn't know how to control his anger, so he just said, I'm just going to avoid this problem as much as possible. If I can get away from slavery and the Egyptians and my people, I don't have to look at it, I don't have to feel it, I can just enjoy life out here. What are you running away from? Because underneath all that is the question of, What is making God angry in your life? 
When are you experiencing the wrath of God? Because God shows up when you're trying to leave town, when you're trying to get out of town, when you're trying to become a hermit and a recluse from reality. And here's the core. When you're trying to get away from any responsibility to bring justice to other human beings, that angers God. I've often thought about why I get so angry about other Christian people. I've grown up in the church. I've grown up in places where the gospel is talked about, the Bible is taught and preached. And I got to the point, I just got really angry. It's because as I've looked at my life over the years, we were ignoring responsibility for human beings around us. Well, if they don't know Jesus, then to hell with them. That was kind of our attitude. And that started making me angry. I thought, God's not built that way. God's not trying to get rid of the rest of humanity. God wants to send us out to try to touch those other human lives so that they experience some love and justice and kindness. They experienced some restoration. And that's what God is trying to say to Moses on the backside of the wilderness. Moses, it's time for you to get off of retreat and go and do something with your life. No, send somebody else. And God gets angry. There's another time in the, in the Scripture, in fact, there's several other times when God gets angry with people and they get angry with God. There are many prophets, by the way, who go through this. They go through the point where God is asking them to go do something, and they say, that doesn't have my name on it. You send somebody else. One of the classic ones is Jonah. Jonah hears God say, I want you to go tell Nineveh that I am going to destroy them if they don't repent. Jonah says, I'm not going. And he runs off to Tarshish, as far away from Nineveh as possible, the other side of the world. And of course, you know the story, he gets caught in a big fish, gets spit out, and has another conversation with God, and he decides, I'm going to go, but I don't want to go. I'm going anyway, but I don't want to go. He goes and speaks to Nineveh, and Nineveh changes. Nineveh repents. 120,000 people put on sackcloth and ashes and say, we're going to live a different kind of life. We didn't know God loved us. We didn't know God cared. We're going to start treating human, human beings with respect and honor and dignity. And you know what Jonah does? He goes up on a hillside and sits under a tree because of the shade, and he looks down and complains because God's being gracious to Nineveh. You know, Lord, I told you I wasn't going to go. You made me go. I knew you were a God of compassion and kindness and great love and mercy. And these people have all changed. And I'm angry. And God makes a statement to Jonah. And that tree that he's under the shade of begins to wilt and fade away. He no longer has a shade over him. It's a way of saying God, God saying to Jonah, I'm angry with you and I'm not going to be blessing, blessing you anymore. 
because you don't like what I stand for. You know, there are a lot of Christians who do not like what God stands for. We don't want God to be just to the world. We want God to get those Catholics, those Muslims, those people that are different than us. I'm here to say that's not the God that sends Moses across the desert to go save a bunch of Hebrews. By the way, Hebrew again means people who live outside the bounds. People who come from all those other countries who are made slaves. Moses was sent to save the Hebrews. When we look at the heart of God, we see a God who has compassion on outsiders. Compassion on people who don't belong. Who people who don't have enough power. Who don't connect. Who are not typically considered the normal part of our lives. And God gets angry with us when we say, send somebody else. I don't want to go. I don't even like those people anymore. Those aren't my people. So I could have preached a little more complicated sermon, but I decided to preach a sermon that I feel like is coming out of my heart and my soul. And I'm just as guilty of ignoring God over the years as possible, but finally it started angering me when I watched how other Christians treated outsiders. And it angers me to this day. And it angers me that the name of Jesus is attached to anybody who condemns people who are outside. Because it angers God. God so loved the world, that's all the outsiders and everybody there, that he sent Jesus into the world. Not to condemn other people, but to save them all. And if we don't like it, then God's really angry with us. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we hear your word now and we want to go the way that you've sent Moses. To go across the wilderness of our lives and to the place where you call us to be. The place where we may not want to be but you are there to help us to be strong in the place where we would choose not to go. So grant us your presence and change our hearts and help us to be angry about the things that make you angry. As we see in the life of Jesus, amen. And so let us continue to pray for our world. Merciful God, we give you thanks that you are a God who is patient and who is slow to anger, who forgives again and again, that you care enough to bend down your ear and listen to us. And so we pray that you will hear our prayers for all who are in need for all who are running away from life, from you. We pray for the many this week who are running away from disaster, whose lives have been turned upside down by the fires, in Japan by the typhoon, in Syria by the invading forces, for the many who are fleeing, including tens of thousands of our sisters and brothers, 
who find themselves in the midst of war that was not of their making. O Lord, reach down and hear their cries. Help them. Give them relief. Give them peace. We pray, too, for those whose lives are poisoned with resentment, for those who carry heavy burdens, for the anxious and the perplexed, for the sick in body, mind, and spirit, for those who grieve. Give us courage to hear and to obey your call on our lives. Use us to be instruments of your healing in this world as we watch and work and pray for the day when all creation knows the fullness of peace that only you can bring. And so with the confidence that you hear us, we pray together as you've taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us stand as we affirm our faith together in the words that you will find in your bulletin. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations for your steadfast love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness extends to the clouds. Let us be seated. I think there are a couple ways that we uh, speak the word of Moses' response to God. No, Lord, send somebody else. And we often do it with our money. We do it two ways that I know about. Well, the first one is we basically say, send somebody else and send their money with them. You're not getting me or my money, so forget it. The second way is we often say, send somebody else, but I, I will be happy to send my money with them so that they do the work and I can stay home. Now, I'm not trying to get everybody to go out and be a missionary, so don't hear me that way, but it's, the, sending our money is not a, a substitute for being a servant of God and going to people ourselves. But it is an affirmation of that, that we are willing to go. We put our money where our mouth and our body is. May God help us to live into that. Amen. I love this song. It's a song of trust and honesty. God's faithfulness.
So we present ourselves to you, Lord, to go where you send us, that you would make a beautiful thing, not only of us and those of us together, but of the people that you call us to touch. And so take these gifts and take ourselves, that we might be responsible to participate in your justice and your love and your mercy, your grace to the world to be like Jesus. Amen. As the service concludes, if you would like someone to pray for you or with you, there will be some prayer ministers over here by the baptismal font, and they would love to do that. So that we end on a pleasant note. God's grace and mercy and love, God's slowness to anger, all come to help us to go where we may not want to go. And God is patient. And so there's Moses in the middle of Egypt talking to Pharaoh when he didn't want to be there. Thank God 
that God helps us to get there and helps us to be whole in the process. May you go with that sense that God is with you and helping you to go where you don't want to go (laughs) and that you are going to become a full person as you go. Amen. Amen.